So who was here last week at the service last week? Um, we did it across the hall, and I just, I loved what God did. And there's something inside it, I think, a pastor or an individual that would love to manufacture that week in and week out. Um, but you guys, you guys did something that blessed, I think, the heart of the Father, and it blessed me so much. We were able to give Tiffany and her son... $6,500 this week. I mean, that, that's remarkable for a crowd that was our size last week, and you guys showed generosity to her and to her son, AJ, and I was able to give her a check for $6,500, and um, if you're on Facebook, I posted it on our community page. Um, I'm very careful to go public with any of that stuff. I keep a lot of that stuff private because... Uh, we don't need to boast on that kind of stuff publicly, but I think within our community, we can let each other know, man, you guys did well. That, is, that was a blessing to her that was, I think, beyond my expectation, beyond her expectation. She wasn't even aware she was going to receive something, and um, so thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for being so good to somebody that maybe you have never even personally met. Last week, I didn't get a chance to minister because of how the service went, but this week, I want to I continue or start to talk about this idea of who are we. Many churches in the area, there's many different places that congregate on a Sunday morning and a Saturday night, and they worship God, and they have a vision, and they have a mission, but I think, I think it's important when you're part of a community, which means that you're not anti another community, just for this season of your life, you're maybe part of what we call New Day, is who are we? What do we represent? What, what do we embody as a community? Each one of you are called by God to be fruitful, that you live your entire life. Some of you get saved early on, maybe some of you got saved later in your life. But the moment you get saved, there's a, now a responsibility or an expectation placed upon us because of what God has done in you and also who he placed in you, the Spirit of God, to go and be fruitful, to go and bear fruit. This is not about who's going to achieve more for the kingdom of God. It's not about who's going to go and win more souls or who's going to make the most and give the most money away. This is about bearing fruit. And we're going to talk about what that looks like in just a moment. But in John chapter 15, verse 8, these are not going to be on the screen, it says that in this my Father is glorified that you go and bear much fruit. Now listen to these words from John 15, 16, just a few passages later. He says, Jesus speaking, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed each and every one of you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. Now, whatever you ask my Father in my name, he may give you. So I think about that expectation that's placed upon me, it's placed upon you to go and bear fruit, but something interesting happens in almost all of our lives. We begin to drift. We begin to drift over the course of our life. We begin to go get excited about God, and then we start to drift away, and we start to maybe lose an excitement that we had once for God. Or we begin to go, you know what, man, God, I really want to serve you all the days of my life and I really want to make sure that I advance your kingdom and then over time we start to drift away and that's no longer the drive and the motivation of our heart. Or that we begin to go, you know what, I really just want to be the son or daughter that you've called me to be and then over time we drift into a place where we're consumed with ourselves. We're consumed with our hurts. We're consumed with our our hang-ups were consumed with the things that just we can't seem to get over and we start to drift. And what happens when people drift is you don't realize you're drifting until you come to a point, just like I share many times, where you're, you put your towel on a beach, you go in the ocean, you play in there for an hour with your kids and you look back and you feel like somebody stole your towel and all the things up there. No, you just drifted a mile down the ocean, so now you don't know where you are. And then when you get there, you go, how did I get so far? And that's what happens to many of us, is our heart starts to drift away from what God has called us to do. He's called all of us to go what? Go and bear fruit. 
Not go and be better Christians, not go and uh, attend more church services or go and read your Bible more. He said, go and bear fruits. And I hope we understand what that means inside of our life. And if we drift it, I pray the Holy Spirit will begin just to kind of prick your heart. But there's two questions that I wanted to ask this morning as they begin this message is, one, why do we gather? Why do we come and do what we're doing on Sunday morning? Why do we personally at New Day gather on a Sunday morning? And then number two is, why do we leave? When we are done gathering on a Sunday morning and we leave at these doors, why? What's our purpose when we leave these doors? And I, I hope that you're able to turn off that switch in your mind that goes, oh, I know what, why we gather and I know why we, why we leave. Because I think it's different for each community. As I mentioned before many, many times, um, I'm not interested in building a church. I'm, I'm not, and I know it's different maybe coming from a pastor to say that. I'm interested in, in truthfully in building you so that you can go and do the ministry that God has called you to do. It may be how you help maybe within these walls on a Sunday morning, but this is not, we're not doing church today. You are the church you are the body of Christ, that where you go, he goes. And how you go, that's what he's going to do to impact the world is how you now allow him to live his life through you. And so why do we gather? As I thought about that question, I began to just come up with a few thoughts. Is The first and foremost is to build each other up. If we gather, if we think that this is the end of our or the goal of our Christianity to come to church and, man, we're going to build a great church and we're going to hear the man of God speak. We've missed it. We've missed something very important. Why do you come here? If it's just to hear the message, then I think we've missed it. But if it's come, the first thing I thought of is, man, build each other up. That when you drift, what happens when you drift but you still do the church thing is you come hoping that somebody will build you up. And I just want to encourage you as a community, and I pray that I'm able to, to really convey this in, with my words, with what my heart is saying, because I want us to realize that as a community, and you'll begin to see what I mean when I talk about this idea of, of what God has called us to, is that each and every one of you in some way can build somebody up when you come. To think like that, why do we gather some of us gather because it's Sunday. This is what we do on Sunday. We come and we worship and we hear a message and we go and that was impactful to us. That's what we're looking for, to be impacted. But I want to encourage you when you come, build somebody up and listen to how you could do that, either through praying for somebody or encouraging somebody. The second thing that why we gather, of course, is to glorify God, to lift his name high, to remind us and to remind everybody that we know, man, we lift God up no matter whether we're doing good or whether we're having a hard time. Whether life is great or life, it, it, it doesn't matter at the end of the day because God is to be glorified. And the third thing I thought about is just we come to hear and obey. To hear the word of God but to go and obey it. But here's where I really wanted to, to stress. Why do we leave? And I wanted to start with a passage that I'm going to end with just as well. And it comes from, Eli, you can go all the way to the end. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you don't mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 1. I want you to listen to these words. And I want you to take them personal. I want you to hear them speaking to you. Paul writes this after he talked about all the gifts that a, 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 a body or a community could have. And he says, there's something greater than all those gifts. And he goes on to say this, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not what? Guys, I remember in the beginning of New Day, just knowing that God was going to do something special. And I was able to just this past weekend, we were in Florida and we met with friends that we didn't know was going to be there. They're also church planners very young church planners just like us. And one of the things that I was able to share with them, come on in, Christy and Lester. One of the things I was able to share with them is that I've never been part of a community that knew and learned how to love like you guys do. 
I know we have a long way to go. I know that we're learning how to love and what it looks like and how to meet people right where they are without strings, without anything attached, with no hoops to jump through, with no judgment initially on our mind when we see somebody and how we look at them. But I, I, I began to express to them what happened last week, how you guys love somebody who was deeply distressed, her son is going through some terrible things, you guys reached in your pockets, came up with $6,500 to bless their socks off. But it's just not just about us giving money, it's about us meeting people right where they are. I remember the picture I, I shared with you back in the earlier days where I got a picture of a, a young girl in the fetal position in the corner of a dark room like this, not knowing how to get out of it. And I remember that I saw somebody come up and wanted to teach her, like, you know what, it's time to get up, come on, you can do this. And then I saw Jesus come up and sit in the same position with her, with his arm around her and says, the only way you get that person out from that corner is to by the love them out. You don't teach them out of there, you don't give them a script, you don't tell them, hey, if you just take these steps, you're going to be out of there. No, you first and foremost let them know that love is going to get you out because then when they get up, they're able to do the very same thing to somebody else. And many times, this is what happens. We start to judge the person in the corner. We don't know what they've been through. We don't know why they are there, but we start to judge why they're sitting in that corner and why it's taking them so long to get out of that corner. And love doesn't do that. And it says this, that you can speak with tongues of men and you can have the tongues of angels, whatever that is, but have not love, what do you do? You just like a, a banging, uh, uh, become sounding brass or a cleaning cymbal. Have you ever seen a high school orchestra team just learning how to learn some instruments? It's pretty, pretty rough. And that's what we sound like when we don't have love. We may be able to speak the truth. We may be able to tell somebody what God says about them. But if we don't have love, it's like a clinging symbol listen to this it says and although i have the gift to prophesy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though i have all faith so that i could actually remove a mountain but have not love last week what god did and how he began to use aj to pray for people and then the four other young girls came up and they started to pray for everybody and and god just kind of showed up in that moment and he spoke to judy and he spoke to my wife and then he confirmed things there was like Wow, God's here. But if we could have that every single week, but have not love, it's nothing. If we don't become love out of all of this, if we, if we just sit here and get more knowledge and learn more and start to realize, man, this person needs this, and I, I give them, but have not love, we walk out of here making no impact, bearing no fruit on this world. The only fruit-bearing Christians are the ones that embody one thing called love. Look at this. And it says, and though I bestow. Now, this is a big one. Imagine if you saw somebody take all of their goods. They fed the poor. Then they gave their body to be uh, 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 burned. And they had not what? That means there's a lot of function that could happen in our Christian lives that is not motivated, that is not guided and coupled with love. That you could literally give everything you own to the poor. You could actually be a martyr, but have not love. That is the essence of why we leave here. What, uh, there's a game that my daughter had uh, put on my phone a couple months ago. And so you, you start with like these, you can pick whatever avatar you want, but you start with like these 12 little creatures and there's a whole bunch of other little groups around the city and you go and you just gobble them up. And the more that you eat them, the bigger your little crowd gets. I think it's called Crowd City. And then you go after and you gobble more up and you just build, 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 build. And I got the picture while I was playing that, that and I play games, which is bad, but I was on an airplane, so um, and I couldn't do anything else. So um, as you leave this room, I picture, maybe we have 80 in here, whatever it is, 100, 115 on a normal day, I picture us leaving there. And that whoever encounters us, encounters love. Love is not how the world defines it. Love is how and who Jesus is. 
It's how he walked through this earth. And, and, and people go, oh, that was because he was Jesus. No, it was because he was love. And First John tells us, as he is, so are we in this world. You guys embody the love of God wherever you go, and the world desperately needs it. They may have smiles on their faces. They may have cars. They may have money. They may have the houses. But there is brokenness behind all of that facade. There is hurt, there is wounds, there is confusion, there is darkness. And if we just keep on pointing our fingers and pointing our fingers and, and, and criticizing and saying this about that person, we're missing it. That we could worship God on a Sunday morning but have not love. We could hear the word of God but have not love, we miss it. Are you following me? And so as New Day, as a community, of course, if we continue to grow, yes, we have a thing called church, but we do not do church on Sunday morning. We are the church, a community called New Day, and when we leave, we leave to go what? Impact the world to bear fruit through love. And love takes on a form that is true to who Jesus is. I wrote this here, I'm all about the importance of theology and good theology. It's important to know what the word said. It's important to have sound and right doctrine. I know that's so important. I pray that's what you're receiving week in and week out as you come to New Day. But I know people whose theology is spot on and yet they are prideful and graceless. I want you to think about this. When you encounter God, when you encounter Christ, there's no one more gentle. There's no one more patient. There's no one more long-suffering. There's no one more forgiving. Like you couldn't think about anything that God is and go, I know somebody that actually embodies something more than God. No, he is bigger and greater than you could ever imagine. And it's important to have this right theology, but at the end of the day, don't miss it when you don't have love. And I also know whose people or people whose theology seems to be somewhat questionable, but they come across humble and they learn how to love people well and they're full of grace. I've watched this happen of people of neighbors of ours who do not possess the same God that we possess and yet they're selfless in their ways. Pete Gray, an author and writer, said this, I think this will be on the screen. It's, I think it's the first slide, Eli. Christ is not a passive savior sitting in some comfy chair. Our God is a dynamic or is dynamic. He is creative force, the ultimate visionary, always on the mood. And if we want to know him and be with him, we will have to follow him wherever he is going next. Let me tell you why I said that. Because when you leave these, these walls, we are to what? Disperse. That's what it is. The church is dispora. We are to disperse out of here and go follow our Father. I'm telling you something that I think is vital to you bearing fruit. Remember, we're talking about who we are and we are called to go and bear fruit. And if you want to bear fruit, guaranteed God is saying, I got something for you today. He may not give you an assignment every morning and go, hey, hey Justin, I have this for you. No, he, he rarely ever tells me what's on the docket that day. But I can guarantee that as I go to the gym, he may have someone I need to talk to. I can guarantee that as I'm going throughout praying for some of you, he may say, you know what, hit that person up with the text because they definitely need to be encouraged or call that person because they're going through a tough time. He may say when I get back home, man, this is what you need to do to how to love your wife or how to love your kids. So there is constantly this adventure that we're on with God every single day. And if our agenda gets too, too much center time, we lose his. If our grocery shopping is too much about just getting the groceries, we may miss something that he has just to simply say to that cashier person, how are you doing today? With our eyes looking into their eyes and say, man, Jesus loves you. I want you to know that today. And the impact that we can make, not because it's a function, but because we're listening to the Father who is now leading us on an adventure. So over the uh, next few weeks, I just want to explore together who we are as a community. I've spent so many weeks and so many months 
hey, Wendy, just pouring into you and building you up and calling you into who you are in Christ and who God is for you and your identity and teaching you how to be who you've been called to be. But I want to just take the focus off of us individually and put it onto us collectively. And I believe it's important to understand why God has brought us together. Some of you are going to be part of this community for a short season. Some may be longer. But regardless of the time that you're going to be part of the community, why did he bring us together? Why did he bring us together? Not to just have a church service, not to just do church, but he brought us together for a reason. And I really want to know, God, why did you... uh, Have me link arms with this person and this person and this person as brothers and sisters. What are we called to do collectively? And so why he has brought us together and to grasp both the community role but also the individual role that he has given us within his kingdom. Church is not supposed to be a place where good people gather. How many try to put on your Sunday best when you come? And I don't mean that you have to come in here mopey and dopey and all the above. I just mean that this is not where you gather and you put on your best show. This is where we come because we have once maybe been hurt or we're hurting. This has been a place or should be a place where you know what? I either am broken or I once was broken so I know what it means to be broken. This is a place where you know what? I used to live under an immense amount of guilt or I live under under guilt right now so I know what that means. This is a place where you realize, man, I was once a sinner that wanted nothing to do with God, and somehow he engaged and captured my heart, and now I want him. And that we're reminded on every single week of this amazing goodness that God has shown toward all of us, that none of us have it all to none of us, including me. We don't. We don't. I'm still trying to understand why sometimes my frustration builds so quickly with my kids. And that may mean little to you, like, oh, we, should all, we all get frustrated. No, no, I, I, I understand that there's something that is allowing that to take place at times. And it should not be there. But by the grace of God, I love the fact that he has me on a journey of becoming what he's called me to be. And that he doesn't let those little areas slide. He doesn't let those little areas go, you know what, that's just natural. No, 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 Justin, I want to upgrade you there too so that you can become love in all facets of your life toward every single person, not just those who come to New Day, but also those who are actually in your household that you live with every single day. And so this is where the place, it's meant to be that we gather knowing that. We gather understanding that's who we are. The guilty, the broken, the hurt. And yes, Jesus may have invaded your life and he has upgraded you in those areas and now it's our look to look at somebody else and go, find me, Lord, somebody that was hurt like I was so I can just encourage them. Lord, somebody that was broken by what somebody did or did not do for them or somebody that's bound in sin, Lord, help me just to to be able to engage with them. Otherwise, what we do as individuals is we come and we go and we miss why he's brought us together. There's a reason why we gather. There's a reason why he brought you into a place where some of the people you may not know their names just yet, but he brought you together for a reason. And then it can be a place of safety where there's vulnerability that takes place, which is very uncomfortable for many people I know, Because we love to hide. We love to to not show what it is that we're facing off with. We want to have this, think about this. We we miss the gospel when we want to have it all together. And we want to show everybody, man, I'm strong. I can can do this on my own. I got this. It's not that we don't need people's help, but you know what? We just don't want it because I can do this. Just me and God and I. No, there's a community. We are all interconnected. And that's why, as a community, we are to rejoice with those who, and mourn with those who mourn. That's how I know, personally, that love is real. When somebody knows how to mourn with those who mourn, meet them right where they are, and rejoice with those who rejoice. Otherwise, I see impatience grow inside people's hearts, 
when somebody is not moving along quicker than they, than they think that they should be. God has a specific reason. He's intertwined us together. And I believe that he knows that we can accomplish more for his kingdom together than alone. I believe it's important that although, man, my praying is impactful when me and Sherlina are praying, and Mary joins that, and Amy joins that, and Steph joins that, and Carl joins that, what happens is we start to build something that is way more effective than just one person alone. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 16, I think this will be on the screen. It says, under his direction, speaking of Christ, the whole body is what? The whole body is fitted together perfectly. It's amazing when you think about your own physiology and your body makeup, how it's just, it just all works so well. And it says that this whole body, the body of Christ, is fitted together perfectly as each part does what? Its own special work. All I'm asking you as a brother in Christ, not even from a pastor perspective, is to do your special work. To do what God has called you to do as part of this body. Don't let fear stop you. Don't let insecurity stop you. Don't let the fact that you feel like you're disqualified stop you. What are you doing to help bear fruit for the kingdom of God? He says that we are, each part does our own special work and it helps the other parts grow. Here's something that happens often, and I, I just want to share this, and I hope that you never, you never see what I'm saying as any type of rebuke. We're in this together, and I think it's just good to have conversations like this at times, is I get a lot of times where people come up and ask me, oh, where's so-and-so? Oh, we're, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. Oh, where's so-and-so? And, and, and I think there's something that rises up on the inside of me that doesn't come out of my mouth, which is good. Um... <laughs> But I do want to encourage people, check. Check. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they don't have time. And I'm saying we're missing something. If love does not compel you to find possibly a sheep that is just grazing by themselves outside of the field of the community because something happened. We have an opportunity, if the Lord puts it on your heart because somebody's name comes to you, to go and find out, to see how somebody is doing, to get personal with somebody and allow them to get personal with you. So for, let me just finish this. It says, so that the whole body is what? Healthy and growing and full of love. So why do we gather? Not just on Sunday, but why are we gathering together as a community we are gathering together because as we do our own special work, it will help others grow so that our whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. I don't know if you know this to be true about New Day if somebody asks you this question, but first and, for, firmo, first and foremost, New Day is a place of healing. That's how I see New Day. I see other churches as different than that. Like there are some other churches that have a very different mission or focus. And I realize early on that the Lord has placed in my heart, Justin, I will send people in your direction that are wounded. They may not know it. They may be extremely angry about it. They may be bitter toward God about it. But they're coming wounded. And there's a place where you have to meet wounded people right where they are. You have to meet those who are bound in sin and can't seem to break free and they just don't know how to function in a church atmosphere. You have to meet them right where they are. And so when I, when I begin to think about that, I realize, man, New Day or this community is a place of healing, which means that when you're a part of this community for the season that you're a part of it, you are part of the healing process. And some of you are not there yet. Some of you are still at a place where you're hurt. And you're trying to find a place of healing. And so similar to a hospital, but it's a hospital coupled along with a rehab facility. That's how I see it, is that you're going to come in, 
We're going to do your best to get you to a place where you're actually functioning again. But now we're going to rehab you and upgrade you into who you are in God. And who God is for you. That you are a son and you are a daughter of God. And that he is the one that ends broken hearts. He is the one that uh, delivers those who are oppressed. He is the one that is the healer. He is the comforter of healing. He actually is the healer. Like he doesn't just let you go your entire life hurt. No, no, no. He comes and he heals your hurts. And those who have this spirit of heaviness, he gives you what? Rejoicing. And those, Father, I thank you for veil in Jesus' name. May you do a special work inside our heart right now. Whatever it is, Father God, that you're dealing with your daughter about, I thank you that it breaks. That it breaks in Jesus' name. And Lord, that you would overwhelm her with your love and your comfort and your grace. Father, may there be freedom in what she's after. And may she know without of a shadow of a doubt what you just spoke to her heart is real in Jesus' name. Amen. St. Augustine said these words. He said, let us be carried into the inn to be healed. Let us be carried into the inn to be healed. I don't know if you've ever been in a place in your life where you needed to be carried and nobody came. I don't know if you've been in a life where somebody actually did carry you. I don't know if you're at a place in your life where you actually carried somebody else. But there's people that are wounded. There's people that know how to put smiles on their face. They know how to play their part, but deep down, they're dying. They're sucking air. They don't know how to find joy. They don't know how to find peace. They don't know how to find their way back to what God has for them. They know God is real. They know God is out there, and they're just waiting for somebody to come alongside of that person and just go, I'm here, and I will be here because you're not a project. You're a relationship, and I will love you to the place where somebody loved me where I could do this now. And that person sees a life transformed. They actually start to realize, man, God, you use somebody to love me. How else is God going to love people? I'm telling you, it's not going to happen in a room by themselves. Yes, they may get a word like God goes, hey, I love you. But they're desperately waiting for that love to be manifested through somebody else. And you know that you know when somebody truly has met you right where you are. You feel like, oh my gosh, I'm about to say something about my life that I haven't told anybody ever before. And you go, this is extremely scary, but I feel so safe to do that. And we have that opportunity to love people. A community of believers like New Day is a place of healing and care. It's a church where people who are wounded by sin, by life, and even by others can experience Christ's healing and His grace. I love when Jesus, he went to the temple just as he came out with the power of God for his ministry. And the first thing he did, went to the temple, he opened up the scroll and he found where it is written and he said these words, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has appointed me to what? Preach good news to those who are poor. He has sent me to proclaim kept, or that the captives will be released. And I'm speaking over this to you. The same Jesus that was there is the same Jesus that lives today. And it's the same Jesus by the Spirit that lives on the inside of every single one of you that wants to do the same thing, but now he wants to do it through you, not just on his own. That he wants you to proclaim that there's a message to those who have been impoverished that God is here. There's a message to those who are captives that he wants to release them. There's a message to those who are blind that can't see where God is in anything. He wants to uh, restore their sight. There's a message to the downtrodden that they can be free from their oppression. And at the time of the Lord and the favor has come. Remember, we are a pit stop church. I know we have some new people here today, so let me just explain Early on in New Day, as we started New Day, I got a picture in my mind as I was driving to visit my dad when he was getting knee surgery, just having an awesome conversation with the Lord, and I felt like God was just saying, Justin, are you ready to see church differently? Because the way that I saw it as a pastor, I saw it from a natural perspective. The conversation I just mentioned to you about the couple we, we, we had met with this past weekend reminded me of the different mindset that I used to have that I'd have now. 
And it was a picture of a pit stop and a picture of a garage. You know, as a pastor and going through ministry, even going through schooling, you get the picture of, hey, I have a church now and I want everybody to come to this church. And guys, can you help me, every single one of you, you all, you all have giftings. Can you all use your giftings to help me build my church? And that's great to help you facilitate a gathering on Sunday, but no, we are the church. And when he showed me that picture, a garage, what do you do? You pull your car in, you park your car, you, the garage goes down behind you, you turn off the car, and you're like, huh, I'm glad I'm away from all those crazy people out there. <laughs> glad I'm done with that crazy job. And now you're what? You're home. You relax, you settle, you go up, you get in your, 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 your pajamas, you get on your couch, and you just watch something. Why? You're, re, you're home. And when, when you see church like that, what happens is you get extremely comfortable and you just want to be fed and you want to just, hey, hey, just give me a good message and I'll be going on my merry way and this will be great. Or you check it off a list. And when he showed me that pit stop, it changed my perspective as a pastor because in a pit stop, a car comes in. There's no turning off the car. There's no saying, you know what, um, I'm so done with this thing and I get out of the car and go sit on a couch. No, you get into a pit stop, somebody goes, oh, uh, Shalini, you need some new tires this week? Okay, let's help us get your tires changed. You need an oil change, Landy? Okay, we're going to just fix this oil change. And then we got it. Okay, it's time to go. And we send that car where? Back into the race. That you're called to run and to endure. And so when I see that, I realize, man, that changed my perspective, that you're not here to serve me. I'm here to actually serve you so that I can encourage you, get your car back into the, the race. Because we're all called to run our own race. This is the one that you're called. You're not competing against your neighbor. You're actually called to run your race. And so as I looked at some of these different things in the scriptures, I said, what embodies us most? As I look through the Bible, what embodies us as a community most? If I could think of one passage or one story or one parable, what sticks out to me the most? And early on in the early Christian uh, days, they would read the scriptures from a community perspective, not an individual perspective. Over time, what happens is we start to read the scriptures and what do we do? We start to put ourselves in the scriptures and we start to see it solely for us. And one of the passages I want to look at today I want you to think about us as a community, not you individually. Would you please uh, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. As we're going to read the parable or the story, um, it's not going to be on the screen. As you read this together with me, this is the parable of the Good Samaritan. How many are familiar with that story? It's a very famous story that Jesus shared. The religious leaders wanted to know what the greatest commandment is, Jesus began to say, love your Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And they said, well, we kind of have a little, little tough question for you. Who is our neighbor? And you'll see at the end of the story how he flips the script on them, but this is what he shares, and I believe this embodies us more than any other thing I've ever, ever read in scriptures. I want you to think about the in, the in in this story, I-N-N, as the church. Don't think about yourself in this story. Think about us collectively and what we're called to do as you read this or as we read this together. We're going to pick up in verse number 31. It says, now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. Actually, no, forgive me. Verse 30. And Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a very narrow path and it's a very, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> elevated, 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 Two, one word, starts with the E. It's a very elevated path, and so there's great opportunity toward the end of that path where if anybody's going to do some harm to somebody, it's going to happen on this, this path, and that's why Jesus is sharing it. He said, so a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed, 
leaving him what? Half dead. I just want you to get a picture of that for a moment, and I want you to understand that's what happens to a lot of people who are living life in the world today. The enemy has stripped them. He has beaten them up. He has stolen things from them. It could be a a young girl who was abused sexually as a kid growing up, and she's trying to fight her way through life. She's just She's hard-hearted because of what happened to her. And now she's trying to find her way. And we start to judge. Let me just say this without getting too um, taboo. Is We judge those who are prostitutes and strippers. And we have no clue the journey that brought them there. We have no clue about what happened to them as a young daughter or as a young individual trying to find their place. And so we start to judge certain things. And of course, the actions are despicable, but there's a reason why that person got to that place. And I'm saying that there's something that happens in this story that is true about us, and it's true about us being the people that just pass by people that are broken and hurting. Why? Because we can't recognize it sometimes. We can't see beyond the sin. We can't see beyond the struggle. We can't see beyond the poor attitude. There's somebody that I get a smoothie from almost every other day, um, works at a certain grocery store in town, and man, she has just had, it's like the moment she sees me, she turns into a, just a, a mean person. I don't know why. I have absolutely no idea. Like, I've, I've walked in before to see if she's there, and I've seen her, like, laughing and joking with her coworker, and then it's like, hey, can I have a, and she doesn't even say, okay, she doesn't say, this is how much, she's just like, and just the whole thing, like, without a smile, without even saying words. I even ask her questions. She probably hates my guts when I do that. But I realized this. She's that way for a reason. And I could easily go to somebody and talk about how rude that person is at that certain place. And I could start to talk bad about her. But you know what? I would rather talk to him about her. Lord, what's up with that girl? Lord, give me a word of knowledge about that girl so that I could speak life into her because there's a reason why. Maybe because of her race and my race, she sees something that is not true about just her and I. But there's a reason why she's like that. And so what happens is because we have not love, we start to do things in this verse that, that break my heart. We are, we are a community that is leaving here. And there are people all around that have been wounded and left for dead. And they're trying to find their place. And they're waiting for somebody. Because tell, and let me tell you this. They can't get to the inn themselves. And that's the problem with seeing this as doing church. We want the lost to come here. No, no, no. Go and love the lost. Go and be the lost. And you don't have to bring them to a building. Eventually, it'll be great for them to gather with us, but eventually meet them right where they are and love them and bound them up or wound them up and do all those stuff that you're going to find in this passage. So it says this, Now a certain priest or person from New Day came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by. Now there's a reason why the priest passed by. That was not part of his agenda. He just didn't either have the time or you know what? That guy is a Samaritan. Or whoever he was. Actually, the Bible doesn't say who he was. But he looked at him. He must have judged the situation and found it's not worth his time. And he moved on. It says, likewise, a Levite. Now, Jesus is doing this clearly to indict the leaders of that time, to indict the religious of that time. It's like, man, you guys know how to gather, you know how to worship God, you know how to do this, but do you pass by the person who's hurt? Oh, you do? Do you judge the person who's hurt? Oh, you do? Okay. Then you're the priest and you're the Levite. Are you following me? Okay, now follow this. It says, likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at that place, he came and he looked And then he passed on the other side. Now, please don't put yourself individually. Remember, we're trying to see this collectively. This is us collectively going out. Yes, individually we'll have certain experiences. But this is what God is doing. He is doing a move of love. But love happens, of course, within each other, toward each other, a safe place. But when we leave, there are people who are wounded and hurt, 
who are left half dead and cannot find their way back to God unless somebody actually meets them right where they are. And it says, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came where he was, and when he saw him, he had what? This is what we're missing. If there's any moment throughout the remainder of the message where you feel like God's saying, I'm about to give you compassion for people, or if you want that, feel free to stand and I'll pray for you. I need it myself too. Father, I pray for Lester and Christy right now. I pray that they can just receive the compassion that only comes from you. Lord, I thank you that they are compassionate people and that compassion will stop their agenda to meet somebody who is wounded right where they are in Jesus' name. Father, for Betty, give her a heart of compassion that only you have. That no matter where she goes, She is moved by compassion, moved by discernment, and moved by your love. Father, I pray for everybody standing. I pray for Mary, for Sharon, for Michelle, for for Phil, and for Ryan. Father, I thank you for every single one of them, for caring, Father God. Oh, Lord, just make us a church of compassion. I pray in Jesus' name that we'll receive it, Father God, so that we'll, we'll not miss the opportunities that you had as a community for us to gather, to move on, and that we come back here every single Sunday and we never had one moment of compassionate experience where we knelt down, we, 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 we bandaged somebody up, we actually took them to the inn and they were able to get healed. Father, I pray for everybody that's standing. Father, give us compassion that we're moved with the heart of God. We're moved by you, Father God. We're moved by your spirit that you can show us what it looks like to be compassionate, what it looks like to stop our agenda and to meet somebody right where they are in Jesus' name. Amen. And so it says that he went to him and he bandaged his what? His wounds, pouring pouring on oil and wine, and he set him, and I love how this language is, He set him on his own what? Animal. There are things every single person has. If God has brought you into that path, it doesn't mean, oh, I don't have the means. No, whatever it is that you have, God wants you to at least extend that to that individual. It could be your time. It could be your serving them. It could be you giving to them, whatever it may be. And it says this, He set him on his own animal, and he brought him to a where? An inn to take care of him. I want you to see New Day. Not as, oh, you need to come to this church. Because God's up to something. No. Bring somebody here because they just need to get healed. Not to be part of some organization. Not to be part of New Day. But because you individually met them but collectively, when they get into a place of healing, they can get better. Why? Because they'll experience love. And then you ask the questions, but I'm not, I'm not there yet, Justin. I'm not healed. I'm not there and ready. Then that's not you. We're waiting for somebody to meet you right where you are. And I know it just can't be from me. It has to be from others in this room just as well that there are things there or that you can say to somebody, man, I just desperately need to be well and to be healed. And it says, so he took care of him and on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and he said, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. The two denarii given in this man's healing could symbolize God's command to love God and to love others. Christ heals wounded people. He gives them the gift of the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit enables wounded people now to go and to love God and to love their neighbors. And in doing so, that's how wounded people are healed. So which of these three, Jesus said, do you think was a neighbor? Now remember the guy said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, no, it's not about who's your neighbor, it's about you being a neighbor. 
It's not about who's your neighbor. It's about you actually finding your place where you are that neighbor. And he said to him, he sh- the, or the guy said to Jesus, the one who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do what? Likewise. So I see New Day, us as a community. Why do we gather? To worship God, to hear the word. We gather to encourage one another. But why do we leave? Because we are a go and do likewise church. Go and do likewise. I don't know what that means to you, but it's not a come and see church. It's not a come and experience church. Let's be a go and do likewise church. Jesus did not leave us with a system. He left us with his spirits. I can't tell you what it means to go and love people. I can't tell you to go and bandage people up. I can't tell you who's wounded out there. I don't know. I'm not in your your shoes. All I can say is God did not give you a system to go and reach the world with. He gave you his spirit and says, follow my spirit, and my spirit will lead you to those people that are hurting, and my spirit will show you how to love them. I don't know what words to say. Don't worry about the words. When love compels you, words mean nothing. They will find their way a place into that person's heart. Amen? And so God didn't leave us with a system. He gave us as his spirit as a guide and not a map. It's not like, okay, uh, how, do we, how do we reach people? Um, no, no, no. It's not a map. It is a spirit that what? guide you each and every day. And there's no comparison. There's no uh, number that you're trying to reach. It's as you come across someone that is wounded, let compassion love them. And when you do, Sunday mornings can then become a place where we testify of the ones that we're able to to take care of because that's who we are the church's true nature is best seen by the life that Jesus modeled he took the life of the kingdom everywhere he went out into the world that he was ministering to in the process of him going he healed he loved he delivered and he shared good news wherever he went Church, this is not about you, us going to do this together. As we go, let's go love. Meet people right where they are until God has healed them. And then we can encourage them, go and do likewise. Amen.